Sojourner Chu. Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. The U.S. Capitol buildings yesterday and scenes that shocked the nation and the world. Thousands of protesters had been called by Donald Trump to descend on D.C. on the day Congress was to vote to accept the results of the recent presidential election. They were further encouraged by Republican senators and members of the House who vowed to object to the results of the Electoral College and a last-ditch attempt for Donald Trump to continue as President of the United States. This, despite the reality that he lost both the popular and the Electoral College votes. Donald Trump was also pressuring Vice President Mike Pence to ensure that the Biden-Harris win would not be accepted. Additionally, he had previously called the Georgia Secretary of State in an act that legal scholars have said was illegal to pressure him into finding him thousands of votes to ensure a Trump win in Georgia. The Georgia Secretary of State refused. Trump went further on Wednesday, January 6, speaking on stage to the crowd that gathered in D.C., where he called on them to march to the Capitol buildings and not be weak. Let's hear part of what Trump had to say now. We're going to walk down to the Capitol and we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. All right. So that was Donald Trump encouraging people and the world witness what then unfolded. And what unfolded was a scene on Capitol Hill not seen since the British stormed and burned the Capitol building in 1812. Here what some of Trump's supporters said about their actions. They're proud of what they did. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. I think we should have gone on in and yanked the, our senators out by the hair of the head and drug them out and said, no more. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. entire D.C. National Guard, thousands of troops here in the nation's capital. The entire National Guard has been activated by the U.S. Department of Defense following this mob that has attacked the U.S. Capitol. Are you proud of what happened here today? I'm absolutely uh, stand behind 100 percent what happened here today. 1,000 percent. I think it's terrible how this election was stolen. And I had to come here and do my patriotic duty. You guys just left the Capitol grounds? Yep. Are you proud of the scenes that, that, that played out here today? I'm not proud of it. I'm humbled by it and that um, I'm excited that for 1776, the, we the people movement is moving forward. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad that it has to happen. Are you proud of what happened here today? I'm proud that the Patriots came out today to show their support for our president because he is, Donald Trump is our president. Well, I mean, but what does this achieve, this violence? Uh, Are we violent? There's no violence. Nobody's been violent. Peaceful protest. There's people been hurt. There, nobody's Not been by anybody no. here. You're wrong. There's been no wrong. violence. 
Is, is this really a, a way that a president should be behaving after Absolutely. this? Absolutely, yes. Yes, it's time yes, that they clear right. out the swamp. We're paying for to have them cheat and steal from us constantly. That's right. We're over it. No And, and we're peaceful. And... Yeah, we're peaceful. We're not, no, we will not be silent, though. Is this an appropriate way to be behaving after losing an election? I, I Absolutely. We have to, as American patriots, we have to do what we can to take back this country. All righty. So um, there you heard Trump supporters denying violence. Meanwhile, you could hear the violence in the background. After the chaos, Congress, with the blessing of Vice President Mike Pence, regrouped and went on to certify the Biden-Harris win. Despite the fact that even after the day's violence, some senators and House members continued to object to accepting the Electoral College or popular vote. Notable for all the world to see was the contrast with how law enforcement has consistently violently attacked Black Lives Matter protesters as witnessed in the June 2020 um, protests in Lafayette Park in Washington, D.C. But also, we have seen this around the country from Portland, Oregon to Los Angeles, California to New York City to Washington State. Photos have been circulating on social media showing a well-prepared military-type force ready to meet Black Lives Matter protesters when they were in Washington, D.C., a stark contrast with what happened yesterday when the few Capitol Police on duty were quickly overrun and video has emerged with some of them taking selfies with protesters, giving them directions to bathrooms and generally having a cozy relationship with them. But by the end of the day, four people are known to be dead. A woman Trump supporter shot by Capitol Police, it is said, and three others who died from medical emergencies. 59 people were arrested. Just contrast those numbers with the arrests at Black Lives Matter protests, for example. Meanwhile, Democrats will now have control of the U.S. Senate, given the wins by both Democratic candidates in Georgia, a terrific victory overshadowed in the press by the attempted coup by Trump and his mob of followers. Some are now calling for Donald Trump to be immediately removed from office and that the GOP senators and House members who were part of the coup efforts be removed also from office. Language like sedition, insurrection, terrorism is being widely used by those in the public sphere. Here to discuss all of this, our guests include civil rights icon uh, Gwendolyn Zohara Simmons, who is a member of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and part of the 1964 Freedom Summer Project. Also, Maurice Cook, historian, educator, centered on the liberation of black and brown people in Washington, uh, D.C., and Dr. Pinel Joseph, the Barbara Jordan Chair of Political Values and Ethics at the LBJ School of Public Affairs and founding director of the Center for the Study of Race and Democracy at the University of Texas. 
We live in a global world. We're all interrelated. So on Sojourner Truth, we work to bring directly to you news and views on local, national, and international policies and stories that affect us all. And we draw out how those of us most impacted women, communities of color, and other communities are responding. We also discuss the interrelationship between art and politics. Now for our news headlines. I'm Max Pringle with these headlines. Congress certified Joe Biden's presidential election victory last night after reconvening following the storming of the Capitol by thousands of pro-Trump rioters. They had come from a White House rally where Trump had urged them to protest the certification. Four people were killed in the violent siege. One woman was shot by police. Three others died after medical emergencies. Authorities eventually regained control, but the incident raised many questions, not the least of which is what is to be done about the president who egged the mob on. Colorado Democratic Congressman Jason Crow told CNN that Wednesday's events were the culmination of four years of Trump-inspired chaos. He is a tyrant. Uh, He is a dangerous man. He is an ill man. And I've said for a very long time that he needs to be removed from president because I saw this coming. Uh, I'm not surprised about what happened, and nobody should who's been paying attention to what's been happening the last four years. This is the, the inevitable conclusion of Donald Trump. Trump administration cabinet members, including Vice President Pence, are reportedly in the early stages of discussing invoking the 25th Amendment, a constitutional amendment that allows for the removal of a president who is either incapacitated or who poses a danger. The Capitol incident is also raising questions about the security at the building. Lawmakers are vowing an investigation into how police handled Wednesday's violent breach. California's Zoe Lofgren, who chairs the House Administration Committee, will work with House and Senate leaders to review the police response and preparedness. Authorities say four people died, a woman who was shot by police inside the Capitol, and three other people who suffered medical emergencies related to the breach. At least 52 people were arrested as of Wednesday night, including 26 on the Capitol grounds, and 14 police officers were injured. It also raised questions about the difference in law enforcement treatment of a largely white mob and the often violent police response to anti-racism protests led by people of color around the country last summer. World leaders expressed shock and alarm at the events at the U.S. Capitol building Wednesday. More from Feature Story News' Lucy Hoff in Brussels. Europe watched the storming of the U.S. Capitol with horror, with leaders across the continent calling for a peaceful transition of power. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg described the images as shocking and said the outcome of the democratic election must be respected. The Foreign Minister of France, Jean-Yves Le Drian, described events as a grave attack against democracy. Prime Minister of Spain, Pedro Sanchez, said he believed Joe Biden's presidency would survive this period of tension and unite the American people. Lucy Hoff, Brussels. President-elect Joe Biden will introduce Merrick Garland as his pick for attorney general, along with three others he selected for senior Justice Department positions. Biden says they will restore the independence of the agency and faith in the rule of law. The four lawyers are to be introduced by Biden at an event this afternoon in Wilmington, Delaware. In picking Garland, Biden is turning to an experienced judge who held senior positions at the Justice Department decades ago, including as a supervisor of the prosecution of the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing case. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell refused to consider Garland for a Supreme Court seat after he was nominated by former President Obama in 2016 to replace the late Antonin Scalia. 
The United States reported 3,865 coronavirus deaths Wednesday, a new record. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention warned the overall toll could exceed 430,000 by the end of the month. The overall death toll is more than 361,000 people. That's according to data from Johns Hopkins University. In addition, the number of people who have been infected reached more than 21.2 million, according to the data. At the same time, hospitals are being flooded with coronavirus patients. On Wednesday, a record 132,476 patients were being treated for the virus, according to the COVID Tracker Project. Meanwhile, overwhelmed hospitals in California struggling with a skyrocketing coronavirus surge are preparing for the possibility that they may have to ration care because of a lack of staff and beds. California reported its second highest number of daily coronavirus deaths Wednesday with 459 lives lost and with more than a quarter million new COVID-19 cases reported each week. Christina Onestad reports. L.A. County is reporting more than 13,500 new infections and 224 new deaths just in the last 24 hours. Meanwhile, in the San Francisco Bay Area, health officials in Santa Clara County are warning hospitals are surging as well. Dr. Ahmad Kamal is Santa Clara County's health care preparedness director. Every day in our county, more than 1,000 people are diagnosed with COVID-19 and more than 100 people are admitted to the hospital every single day. Health officials say it's going to get worse as coronavirus patients can be on hospital beds for months and they're expecting another coronavirus wave from the holidays in the coming weeks. In all, more than 27,000 people in the state have died from COVID-19. I'm Christina Onestead reporting for KPFA. And I'm Max Pringle. You're listening to Sojourner Truth on Pacifica Radio. And this is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth on January 6, 2021. will go down in history as the day, one of the darkest days in U.S. history. Now, protesters at Trump's encouragement had gathered in Washington, D.C., as you've heard in uh, our news headlines, on the day that Congress was set to accept the Electoral College uh, victory of the Biden-Harris team. Now, Trump called on his supporters to fight like hell and to take our country back, that's in quotes, marching to the U.S. Capitol and to be strong. And the protesters did just that. Indeed, they overran um, the Capitol building and the Senate and the House. The protesters made their way into um, the Capitol building. Capitol security evacuated the Senate and House of Representatives. The chambers were locked down, Several, as were several other buildings in the area. But the uh, protesters, or the mob, really broke past security to enter the Capitol and occupied the emptied Senate chamber as guards drew handguns to prevent entry. Similarly, a similar thing was going on on the House side. Three improvised explosive devices were reportedly found on Capitol grounds and one each at the Republican National Committee and the Democratic National Committee offices, this according to CNN. Uh, Now, Trump reacted to all of this by telling the protesters that he loves them and they should go home in peace, 
but most notably, um, he described the protesters as being great patriots and very special while expressing love for them. Shortly afterwards, Twitter temporarily locked Trump's account and removed three of his tweets for violations of their policies. But Twitter is now um, likely just very, very shortly the Trump account will be back up. Uh, before we welcome our guests, let us go to a couple of clips on what happened. Uh, one from BBC and the other uh, from CNN. Four people are dead after hundreds of pro-Donald Trump supporters, some of them armed, ransacked the U.S. Capitol building in Washington. The U.S. Congress has now certified Joe Biden's victory in the presidential election. Protesters stormed Congress, breaking into the Senate chamber and the office of the House Speaker after being encouraged by the outgoing president's unproven claims of electoral fraud. A woman who was shot during the clashes has died, and police say three other people died from medical emergencies. Two pipe bombs were found and 52 arrests were made. At least one senator, Kelly Leffler of Georgia, rescinded her objection to the certification of Joe Biden. Uh, she was one of two Republicans whose party lost two Senate seats in Georgia yesterday, and with it, control of the Senate. Meanwhile, the vice president, Mike Pence, who has been chairing proceedings in the Senate, condemned the violence in the strongest possible terms, he said. The new president, Joe Biden, said the storming of Congress bordered on sedition, while President Trump issued a video message urging his supporters to go home, but continuing to suggest that the election had been stolen from him. We have a number of reports this morning, but this first is from Sarah Campbell. The day democracy in the United States of America came under attack as never before. Fired up by President Trump's rhetoric and unfounded allegations of electoral fraud, the Capitol building was stormed by his supporters. As politicians and staff inside the building fled to safety, security officers, guns drawn, attempted to stop protesters entering the chamber. During the chaos, four people died, according to police, a woman from gunshot wounds and the others due to medical emergencies. These images beamed around the world. Those who'd taken part, unrepentant. That is just not how things are done in this country. Right. Lawlessness, storming buildings even, and that's this what's happened This nation today. wasn't founded on civility. This nation was founded on revolutionary activity. We became civil after the government realized that they got overwhelmed. So what happens now? I guess now we wait and see if, if they take us seriously because they saw how easily we were able to breach their defense. As security tried to regain control, the president-elect urged what he called the mob to pull back. It's a real tragedy, I think, for this country that this is what we're seeing now. And it's the result of a president who has instigated this from the very beginning, when months ago he refused to say that he would support a peaceful transfer of power. This is the moment uh, that that would come into play, where he can say, I lost the election, Joe Biden will be the next president, evacuate the Capitol right now, he won't say it. But what's also really notable about watching this scene, a few months ago in Washington, where we, we live and where we work, you couldn't drive down the street without being stopped by National Guard vehicles, mm -hmm. by law enforcement of every 
type and every stripe. The Bureau of Prisons was here in Washington. Every block of this city was in lockdown because of Black Lives Matter protesters. Mm -hmm. Now you have thousands of armed protesters who happen to all uh, be Trump supporters who are mostly uh, not Black Lives Matter protesters. They're mostly white. And they're storming the Capitol with violence. Someone has been shot. Glass is being broken. Lawmakers are in lockdown wearing gas masks. And it's looking at these pictures, where is the law, where's law enforcement? Yeah. Capitol Police struggling to control this. And you don't hear the president saying, we are sending reinforcement. You don't say, see him saying, we are sending help to protect this federal building, to protect the lawmakers who are inside of it and the people who work there and the people of the city. That is incredibly shameful. All right, so some of um, the coverage on mainstream media. I'd like to welcome uh, two of our guests now, Gwendolyn Zohara Simmons, Professor Emerita of African American and Islamic Studies at the University of Florida. Um, Zohara was a student nonviolent coordinating committee staff person during the 1964 Freedom Summer Project and remained there for 18 months working on getting uh, black people in Mississippi the right to vote. She was very active uh, member of SNCC. She was one of three women uh, project directors in the state. She was based in Laurel, Mississippi, where the head of the Mississippi Ku Klux Klan was based. Uh, Zahara Simmons, welcome back. Thank you very much. I'd also like to welcome Maurice Cook, grassroots activist, national organizer, historian, and educator centered on the liberation of black and brown people. He is based in Washington, D.C. Maurice, welcome. Thank you for having me this morning. Okay, so Zahara, uh, let's start with you. I'd really just first like to get reaction uh, from you to what you have witnessed uh, in, in Washington, D.C. We'll talk about that. I also want to talk a little bit about the impact of the Senate race in Georgia. Uh, Zahara. Yes. I certainly uh, watched uh, the sacking, attempted sacking of the Capitol uh, yesterday on CNN. I also watched it on Al Jazeera because I wanted a sense of how it was being reported to the world. And, you know, while in some senses it was shocking, but of course, uh, given that I had also uh, listened to parts of Trump's speech earlier and his exhortation to his followers uh, to do exactly what they did, uh, I was not surprised. But what was surprising was the lack of defense by the various uh, police forces that are supposed to be protecting uh, our uh Capitol and White House and other buildings, the National Guard, Homeland Security, the Coast Guard, the Secret Service, none of those uh, institutions were present in the way that they are present when there's a Black Lives Matter uh, demonstration. So that's what was shocking. And I was saying, how is this possible? Where are the police forces? How were these people able to get in and do what they did? 
And that is the question that, in my mind, must be answered. Right, and, and Maurice Cook, thank you, uh, Zahara. Uh, you're based in Washington, D.C., and um, the world, indeed, watch what happened in Washington, D.C., um, in that square when uh, Donald Trump um, and Lafayette Park uh, wanted to go pose with a Bible. Uh, we've also seen the police response to Black Lives Matter protests in Washington, D.C. Uh, your thoughts as events unfolded uh, yesterday and what you know of and witnessed in Washington, D.C. in terms of how protesters are dealt with. So yesterday, um, in my neighborhood where I live, um, I live 12 blocks, 12 blocks from the Capitol. I live, I work six blocks from the Capitol. And you know, we have to talk about what's happened over the last two days. I mean, we've had groups of white men in our community, in a majority black city. And it caused a sense of instability over the last couple of days. But no one, no one is shocked. Um, any of us who have been on the front lines over the last couple of years um, when engaging with police brutality in the way that our local law enforcement and certainly the national criminal justice infrastructure treats black and brown people. Any of us who have been on the front lines in the, the treatment and the, and the conditions and the consequences um, that we've all suffered from um, by placing ourselves on the front lines, none of us are shocked by the double standard, the treatment received by um, those terrorists yesterday. Um, versus the way we've been treated. I mean, just last summer, we were kettled. We were tear gassed. We were shot with rubber bullets. We were sequestered. We were arrested. We were detained. And none of that really happened yesterday uh, for uh, the Trump supporters. Yeah, and Zahara, I mean, a, a lot of people, and um, given what Maurice also just said, are saying that, look, what happened yesterday could not have happened if there wasn't collaboration and perhaps even some planning, we may never know, um, inside the building. Uh, because, you know, here you had people, could you imagine, and our listeners try to visualize this, a group of black people or a group of Muslim people climbing up the walls of the U.S. Capitol with bars, and, and some of them were armed, I understand. There were shots that were fired in the uh, House building. This, uh, according to one of the members of, of the squad, I think Congresswoman Talib, who was describing that. You know, we, we know what would have happened. Likely, there would have been a massacre. Uh, so just <laughs> your response um, to what was just said and the, this kind of double standard. And that's not to say that uh, people who are in the black community, brown communities, are in any way condoning police violence against protesters or stopping protesters' right, First Amendment right to express themselves. But what we saw yesterday as I said earlier, hasn't been seen since the British war and invasion of the U.S. Capitol in 1812. Zahara Simmons. Uh, I totally agree. Uh, you know, I heard uh, Jay Johnson on uh, MSNBC, and he had to admit that there was absolutely a double standard. 
in the way uh, those that mob, uh, those insurrectionists were treated yesterday versus how peaceful demonstrations uh, in D.C. and across the country uh, have been treated. Uh, and as Maurice said, tear gas, rubber bullets, uh, arrests, uh, I've just seen women being taken down and and uh, by the neck, chokehold. I mean, it's just incredible. And I cannot believe that there wasn't some collusion. I mean, it's just, I've been to the Capitol many times, and it is very hard to enter. I mean, there is something that, absolutely happened yesterday and it must be investigated and I hope that the incoming administration is going to do due diligence in uh, uncovering who was behind this because these are the people that will have to protect him and uh, Vice President elect Harris and all the incoming senators and, and many of our uh, people like the squad, etc. I fear for their lives because I believe there are forces within these uh, police institutions that are Trumpites and side with what he's doing, just as those senators, those 12 or 13 senators, one-third of the House of Representatives uh, have planned to, you know, block the uh, uh, counting of the electoral votes yesterday, this, uh, this bears serious investigation. Right. And uh, Maurice, um, your thoughts on this, you know, just yesterday also, I mean, we know that uh, all of what we saw in Washington, D.C., but Trumpsters, Trump supporters were taking action in many places across the country. In Arizona, there was a protest outside the state building. And even I had to do some errands uh, in San Bernardino County in Southern California yesterday. And there were Trumpsters, uh, you know, pockets of them lining the streets, you know, with Trump's a big Trump face in front of their own face, big Trump flags. I, I mean, it was just incredible. Um, what's happening. And you heard in the clip I played from the protesters, they're saying, or the mob really, that they're proud of what they did, but also issuing a kind of warning. One of them said they better pay attention because they saw how easily we were able to breach the Capitol building. Uh, just uh, your thoughts on, on that. And then if, if you want to quickly weigh in on the Georgia results would be good too, because this is the final round for both you and Zahara. So I think yesterday, for many of us who do this work, um, it's a day of revelations, right? Um, I, I want to make sure the audience understands that after uh, yesterday's action that they put forth, they were allowed to roam on our streets um, in the newly gentrified neighborhoods, um, roaming the streets, partying, having a good time. Um, in, a, in, in a majority black city, intimidating residents. Residents were told to stay inside, stay indoors, uh, because there were hordes of, of these armed uh, white people um, who, who really were intimidating us on the streets. And so I think we have to 
acknowledge and recognize and strategize that there are two separate uh, democracies that, that are going on. I mean, everyone's talking about, you know, clutching on to uh, our democracy, but, but there's been two different, different experiences of democracy here in the United States since, since the beginning. And I think we just have to be aware, cognizant, and acknowledge and strategize around that. Um, in regards to the um, Georgia results, what I want to see the most is that the demographic of people who ensured the success of the legislative bodies um, in Congress to go in, in a particular way will receive the prioritization that they deserve. Um, it, we are too tired, too old, and I've heard this story for too long. We have used this tactic of electoral you know, progression, and yet in any indicator, structural indicator, we are still at the bottom. So we've had 60 years of mainstream incorporation into this system, given the civil rights movement. And I think it's time for us to tangibly see the benefits of our participation that has been elusive thus far. Right, and Zahara Simmons, the Georgia election, stunning, um, and many say here you have a former Confederate state. You put your life on the line um, going south fighting uh, for the right to vote, and here you have the first black man um, senator from Georgia, and you have the youngest senator since Joe Biden being elected a Jewish man. And, and yesterday, a little bit on the show, we spoke with one of the young black activists about it being reminiscent of the kind of uh, black and Jewish alliance uh, that happened during the civil rights era, but just a, a quick reaction from you on the Georgia election, Zahara Simmons. Uh, yes, thank you so much. Yes, we, we must talk about the demographics of the voters in Georgia who made uh, the, uh, who uh, really were responsible for creating the ground game that got Warnoff and Oxus elected, and it was primarily people of color. And just as Marie said, uh, you know, we're, we have been in the, we're the backbone of the Democratic Party, and yet we have little to show for our loyalty and our hard work to save this nation from the racist, fascist, uh, uh, elements. I mean, let's face it, we have saved the Senate uh, from Mitch McConnell. I mean, uh, this is amazing because Mitch McConnell is responsible for holding up everything from the most recent attempt to send out $2,000 uh, checks to everyone who makes under $60,000 a year to everything else, including the impeachment of Donald J. Trump. And, of course, this is where we are now, uh, where an insurrection uh, egged on by the president almost occurred yesterday. So the Georgia elections are phenomenal. I am so thankful that uh, black and brown people and progressive whites have saved this nation. 
Right. On that note, we're going to have to take a station break, but Zohara and Maurice, I'm not quite sure about your schedule. If you are able to stay with us um, for a little bit longer, we do have a guest, Dr. Peniel Joseph, joining us um, after our station break. And then I'd like to have at least a few minutes to open the phones. So if you can, that's fine. If we can't, if you can't, we certainly understand that. What we're going to do now is go to our station break and then we'll bring Dr. Peniel Joseph into this discussion. There'll never be no peace down here in Babylon. Till all my brothers here down here are free. We don't want to be no peace down here in our neighbor's land. So all we want is to be free like the birds and the and that is Max Romeo, No Peace. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. Check out our website at www.sotrueradio.org, our community calendar, much more information there. And if you're a member of Facebook, you can like and friend us on Facebook, our handle on Twitter and Instagram, at Radio. We're also nationwide and worldwide on SoundCloud. And in the United States, we want to give a shout-out to our SoundCloud listeners in Columbus, Ohio and internationally to our SoundCloud listeners in the Russian uh, Federation. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth, and we are discussing uh, the events, uh, remarkable historic events of the last few days in the United States. And I'd like now to welcome uh, Dr. Peniel Joseph, the Barbara Jordan Chair in Political Values and Ethics at the LBJ School of Public Affairs and founding director of the Center for the Study of Race and Democracy at the University of Texas at Austin. His latest book, The Sword and the Shield, The Revolutionary Lives of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr., was published by Basic Books in April of 2020. Uh, Dr. Joseph, welcome. Happy New Year, Margaret. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 uh, be hopeful about the uh, the coming year. Um, uh, uh, Pinyel, what I'd like to do actually is just do play a short clip. Uh, it's Van Jones uh, talking about black joy winning over white rage. Well, look, the big factor is in Black Voters Matter. It's it's a New Georgia project. It's all the the folks. You have black genius uh, and grassroots genius on display, uh, and, and black joy. I mean, that some of the tactics that were used on the ground. Uh, to get people together, food, music, culture. This is black joy. Well, look, the big factor is in Black Voters Matter. It's it's a New Georgia project. It's all the, the folks. You have black genius uh, and grassroots genius on display uh, and, and black joy. I mean, that some of the tactics that were used on the ground uh, to get people together, food, music, culture. This is black joy versus a certain kind of white rage and black joy won. Uh, but you don't just have the genius of the black grassroots and the brown grassroots and, and the progressive grassroots. You also just have a lack of smarts on the part of Republicans at every level. It was not smart for the candidates down there to make their whole campaign be demonizing a, a black pastor rather than trying to inspire people. That didn't make any sense. It was not smart for uh, McConnell to be Scrooge McDuck right before Christmas, holding back money from people who needed money and trying to you know, give out pennies when people needed dollars and more. That was not smart. And it was certainly not smart for Donald Trump uh, to uh, you know, conduct himself the way that he conducted himself and suppress his own vote 
by telling people uh, when you vote, the vote is rigged, but go vote anyway. So when you have uh, uh, from, from McConnell to Trump to the candidates down there making those kind of mistakes, that's one, a- one aspect of it. But the key aspect, as the sister just said, the genius of the black grassroots at every level, picking real people with real stories, coming forward with joy, with determination, with resilience, resilience. Stacey Abrams lost two years ago and, and made herself stronger. Donald Trump lost two months ago and made himself weaker. That is the story. And, and Stacey Abrams is not by herself, as you can see, see here uh, this morning. There, there, you, you'll never be able to get the full roll call of the black people, especially black women, who brought this victory home months and months and months ago uh, when nobody was watching Georgia. Right. So um, that clearly was about the remarkable victory in Georgia in the Senate race. But, Pinal, I'd like you to say your piece in relation to what some people are calling an attempted coup, the insurrection, um, a white mob, white terrorists that, that happened in the nation's capital yesterday and also on the Georgia vote. Just say your thoughts on both of those. We would like to open the phones uh, for a few minutes later on um, in the hour as well. Um, Pinel, Dr. Pinel, Joseph. Well, yeah, Margaret, I think, you know, we, we, and I've been writing about this, that we're amidst America's third reconstruction. And we think about the first and second reconstruction, and I'll start with the first. First reconstruction, in many ways, the negative side was one long race riot. Uh, and it was a white race riot against black citizenship and dignity. So in places like Memphis in 1866, and New Orleans in 1866, Texas, uh, South Carolina, Mississippi, uh, black people were massacred. You know, so you you look at the work of of, of David Blight in his Frederick Douglass book, or or Sandy Darity and the From Here to Equality, and just just Eric Fawner's Reconstruction. Uh, we we see that thousands, really tens of thousands of people, who were killed, black people murdered between 1865 and 1896. At times before black men got the right to vote in 1870. Um, at times after, right? So. And then when we think about the 20th century and everything from Tulsa to Rosewood to uh, uh, Elaine, Arkansas, to Chicago, uh, St. Louis, and Atlanta, we see white race riots. These are racial pogroms against black people. And certainly during the heroic period of the civil rights movement in the 1950s and 60s, uh, there were, there were uh, hundreds of white riots against um, black school children integrating schools, against black people trying to swim in swimming pools. Uh, so we're thinking about not just Birmingham, Alabama, but St. Augustine, Florida in 1964. Uh, we're thinking not just Selma, uh, but Newark, New Jersey, and other places. So there's a history of white folks rioting at the idea of black citizenship and dignity. Where this becomes really, really pernicious is the way in which uh, Ted Cruz and that Jim Crow caucus um, used allegations of election fraud to try to disenfranchise black voters. And even though I agree with aspects of what Van Jones is saying in terms of the joy and sort of the brilliance of Stacey Abrams, the WNBA players, one of the things that we have to understand is that what we saw yesterday in the nation's capital uh, is really proof of concept of white violence um, having just sort of this unfettered access uh, to wherever they want to go. And so the next step for them and this happened during Reconstruction, too, is really going to be to have um, election day violence in black communities. 
uh, throughout the United States. That's just the next step. So right now there's been an effort unsuccessful to try to legally dissolve the votes of black folks in Detroit, in Atlanta, and say, look, where black people vote, it's illegal, and that shouldn't matter. But but that hasn't worked. And what we're going to see, and it's not just Trump, it's really Trumpism, is this idea of uh, voter intimidation, voter harassment, uh, the killing and, and the, the murder of black people. Uh, and, and people are going to need to be protected. People, organizers are going to be need to need to be protected. Ordinary citizens are going to be, need to be protected. And one of the things you see with law enforcement is law enforcement is there historically uh, to contain and intimidate and punish and kill and murder black people. That's just the fact of our history, right? And so they're always going to treat Black Lives Matter activists one way and treat white racial terrorists another way, right? We saw that in Michigan, the kid glove treatment. So we, we have a lot of work to do to protect the black vote and black people as this decade continues, because you've got 74 million Americans who voted for Trump, thousands of whom um, assaulted the state capitol, the nation's capital yesterday, who are really trying to make sure that black citizenship and dignity um, does not exist by any means necessary. And the next step is going to be the kind of um, uh, physical violence and, and political assassination that we saw uh, during the first Reconstruction and the second Reconstruction. Um, the positive is, is definitely January 5th, and, and Reverend Warnock especially, because he's presiding over Dr. King's church, Ebenezer Baptist Church. We all know the historic nature of Ebenezer in Jim Crow, uh, Georgia, uh, the segregation that Dr. King and Daddy King and Dr. King's mother, um, Alberta King, and others faced. Um, to imagine uh, a, a black pastor running uh, on, on this vision of the beloved community and winning uh, against segregationists, winning, you know, the two uh, folks who they beat, Leffler and Purdue, these are segregationists and white supremacists uh, from the 19th century. You know, all they have are iPhones. They're the same as the racist and the murdering uh, white supremacists of the, of the 19th century in terms of uh, against Black Lives Matter, against black citizenship and dignity, um, um, but just dressed up uh, in, in, a, in a new suit and tie and uh, a new, a new, new outfits for the 21st century. So that's very, very positive. Um, and what Stacey Abrams and black women did in terms of organizing that vote brick by brick is extraordinarily positive. And it is a watershed uh, victory. The first black senator um, from the state of Georgia, uh, only the second from the South alongside of Tim Scott to ever be elected uh, in, the, in, a, in a popular vote. Of course, you have Blanche K. Bruce and Hiram Revels, uh, who represented Mississippi for short times in the 1870s, but that's when the Senate was not um, elected by popular vote. So that's usually, usually important, but I can't stress enough that we are in truly catastrophically dangerous times because law enforcement is not the friend of black people. Law enforcement is not going to protect black voters in 2022, in 2024, in 2026. And we have militias and Proud Boys, some of whom are connected to law enforcement, who are absolutely planning violent mayhem against black communities in these upcoming elections. 
Wow. Well, uh, on that note, we'd like to fit in as many of you as possible uh, to hear your thoughts on these historic events. And um, Zahara and uh, Maurice Cook, Zahara Simmons and Maurice Cook are still with us, as is Dr. Pinel Joseph, who may want to weigh in. So let us go first to uh, John in Sun Valley. John, thank you for calling. Thank you, Margaret. Uh, I'd like to say that uh, after that mob thing yesterday at the Capitol, uh, there have been uh, calls on uh, uh, for needing to be bipartisan. And I just want to stress my demand that uh, any uh, compromise needs to be made by the those on the right, such as Joe Manchin and all, uh, and not us on the left, the way we've been, you know, you know, kowtowing all along. Um, the the cowards uh, in that that new minority are are to be treated somewhat the way their leader is uh, Trump, uh, because he's uh, he's he's rather being such a coward. He's rather deranged uh, and dangerous, and they're talking about the Twenty Fifth Amendment. Uh, yeah, and we have to be careful of that. But uh, we can't treat that new minority the way that my, that old my majority treated us. Right. Okay, John. Thank you so much for that, Josh in Hollywood. Let's hear from Josh in Hollywood. Then perhaps we'll have um, our panelists weigh in here, Josh. I just wanted to say good morning. Um, good morning. The sheeple are hyper-naive. They believe everything they see on the TV. If, if, they, uh, if that happened yesterday, if they got into the Capitol, that's contrived, obviously. They're not just going to let that happen. I mean, that's not going to happen unless they let it happen, obviously. You know? So what it's doing is going to fuel the race war, because now the brown and black people are going to exactly what they want them to do. They're going to say, oh, what happened to black and brown people? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, now they're going to It's totally being... Um, we're, we're being set up for a race war here. So, and we're not going to get anywhere if we keep saying stuff like, you know, putting, they're putting us in categories. So if you, if you have a certain mindset, that you can be associated with a, with a right wing or a conservative, you know, something, all that left-right paradigm stuff. But that, that's a way to keep you from thinking, from really actually looking at issues, looking at what people are saying about viruses, about anything, you know, and calling you, and put you in a little category and tell you that that's what you are now so you don't have to think about what the person's saying. And that's all being contrived, too. So stop being hyper-naive. Realize you're getting gaslighted and played and stop believing in everything on the TV. That's what I want to say. Right. Well, thank you so much uh, for calling. And I'm wondering now, um, we just don't have a lot of time left, uh, but just to have some final thoughts, let's start, given what the callers said, but anything else you would like to add quickly. Um, first, we'll have Zahara Simmons, then we'll go to Maurice Cook, and then Dr. Pinel Joseph. Uh, Zahara. Well, thank you. I I certainly uh, appreciate what uh, Dr. Joseph said. Uh, said, giving us the history. Uh, and I hope that those uh, grassroots organizations across the country that have organized to get this vote out will stay together and uh, organize for us to basically be prepared 
for the coming onslaught from the right uh, and to also uh, gather our uh, strategies for issuing our demands to the new administration and getting those demands met. Right, and Maurice, a very, very dangerous time as we saw what happened over the last period. So many of the gains of the civil rights movement, um, the environment, et cetera, you know, under attack. Uh, just your final thoughts, because we really are going to have to get ourselves together. Maurice Cook. Uh, yes, ma'am. It's, it's, a, it's going to be a, a game of preparation. And, you know, we have to be able to look directly at the fact that this is this was just a precursor right that they yesterday their battle they were victorious um they did delay um delay that vote uh, to confirm the election results um they they absolutely experienced um a great result from their efforts yesterday and and there has been no consequences uh to bear and so if, if I believed in their ideology, um, this would embolden me. Uh, this would give me inspiration. And so I believe they probably inspired, you know, millions of, of, of their followers. And I think for the rest of us, we just have to take that seriously, no matter how, how much effort the media will, will go about minimizing the impact of this, right? Because that's exactly what they're going to do to call for some sense of normalcy. That is what the Biden um, campaign, the Biden cabinet will do. They will strive for normalcy. But let's recognize that normalcy for some is, is um, living on the streets, is our black maternal death rate, is our black and brown incarceration rate, is um, the gentrification of, of our cities, the health disparity, having COVID twice as much. And so we can't accept that level of normalcy. And we have to push every platform, every policy from the Biden administration. We have to push it to benefit the people that ensure the victory and the security of the Biden administration to address our issues. And then we also have to be prepared that it's not a backlash. It's always a, a resetting. They believe that this is their country only, and we have to acknowledge that. Right, and uh, we're going to hear from Dr. Peniel Joseph, but uh, first, a very quick comment from Susie from Torrance. Uh, Susie, we just have a couple of minutes left, so uh, just take a minute or so to make your point. Thank you for calling. Well, freedom and power only work if we use them well, and it's time that we, we don't need to resist, we need to insist. We need to call the Congress switchboard 202-224-3121. And insist that they bring the Medicare for All bill to a vote now. Uh, you know, okay. it is untenable that black women have the worst health outcomes in the country, but it will help everyone give better right. care, add vision, dental, mental health, no premiums, no co pays. And we also Thank you for that, Susie. We are going to be covering the issue of health care for all uh, coming up. Listen up to our shows. What I'd like to do, though, is to give uh, Dr. Peniel Joseph some time for his final thoughts on the topics of today. Dr. Joseph. Well, we can expect much, much more of this. Um, I agree with Zahara that the, the right wing 
is going to, in an Orwellian way, continue to magnify the violence and amplify their lives, not just through Fox News. Um, we should not be celebrating uh, Mike Pence or uh, the Congress certifying uh, Joe Biden's victory, which should be pro forma in a healthy democracy. We are in a very, very unhealthy democracy. The root of all of this is racial slavery. We have to remember that the white supremacists who assaulted the nation's capital, this is about slavery. Uh, when Abraham Lincoln had his second inaugural address, and he said that fervently we hope that war uh, ends, he also said that, um, but if, if, if all the money and the wealth that the United States made uh, had to be sunk because of what they did, the, 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 the wrong, the great evil that they did, if all the um, of times they beat on uh, the enslaved Africans, um, that, that level of bloodshed would fall back on the country, then, then um, he would agree that the, that the judgment of the Lord was righteous and just. This is all based on the destruction of black bodies and the exploitation and dehumanization of black people and the fact that that has created a racial caste system that white people still continue to enjoy and experience privilege today in terms of wealth and life chances, and they are willing to commit systemic murder uh, and systemic oppression uh, against all people, especially black folks, to continue that. And that's what this is all about. So we can't lose our eye on the ball and say it's just racial terrorism or, or it's just anti-democracy. This is anti-blackness, and the reason why we don't have um, anybody except for people like Stacey Abrams and others, we don't have uh, these white politicians protecting us, is because they are beholden to white supremacy, too. So white right. supremacy is a bipartisan elixir in the United States. This country is addicted to white supremacy. It's addicted to anti-black racism. It's what makes everything go, and we should expect okay. much more of this. And we, we, have to, we have to organize uh, in the face of this white supremacist onslaught. We are going to have to leave it there because literally we, we are out of, of time. We're also up against capitalism, of course. Uh, thank all of today's guests, Dr. Peniel Joseph, Zahara Simmons, Maurice Cook. If you'd like a copy of today's show, please contact the Pacifica Radio Archives. I'd like to thank the Sojourner Truth team, our audio engineer, Kiana Williams, our system producer, Romero Funes. Thank you for listening. Y'all, please stay safe. This is your host, Margaret Prescott.